The Perfect Ten. With Steve Allen, voice of the NRL and six-time radio award winner. Yeah, welcome to The Perfect Ten. It's been a long time between drinks, but we're back with the FIFA Women's World Cup already underway and not a dry eye in the house in Auckland. New Zealand has won its first ever game at a World Cup, defeating former champions Norway in the opening match. The Matildas about to get underway against the Republic of Ireland, and there's been a bombshell. Sam Kerr, the worldwide superstar, has been ruled out, but the Matildas in great form. They defeated England earlier this year. That was a 2-0 victory, and they also defeated France, world number five, in the last week down in Melbourne in front of a sellout crowd. So Julie Dolan is coming up in a few moments. The first lady of Australian football. Can you believe at the tender age of 18, she captains Australia? Goes on to make 18 full international appearances in the midfield. And as we know, since 1988, the award for the best footballer in Australia is the Julie Dolan medal. What an absolute legend. I'm really privileged that she's a friend of mine and we'll get to Julie in just a few moments' time. The podcast brought to you by Robson Civil Projects. Last year, they celebrated their 60th anniversary and just a few weeks ago, Grant Robson, the managing director, 35 years. So what a story this is. He starts as an apprentice mechanic works his way through various roles, but his leadership and business acumen has really driven the company to a point where it's now got over 300 employees, not just here on the coast, but in Sydney, right through the Hunter Valley, in Dubbo, and also in beautiful Mudgee. And congratulations to Grant. And don't forget, if you'd like to be a part of the Robson Civil Projects team, simply jump on their website, follow the prompts, and you might be part of a fourth generation family company and a standing ovation for Grant Robson. What an achievement, 35 years at Robson Civil Projects. Okay, let's get down to business. I caught up with Julie on Monday in my role with MBN Television. Julie Dolan, football legend. Uh, Welcome to MBN TV and also the Perfect 10 podcast. And we're three sleeps away from the greatest show on earth. Three sleeps away to what is the biggest women's sporting event in the world. And everyone is looking forward to it. Friday night, you're at the final trial game for the Matildas, a fantastic win against France. Give us your thought. Yeah, my thoughts were that the Matildas dominated in the first half, missed uh, some opportunities, but uh, and then France dominated. And I heard the p- possession stats were swayed towards France in a big way. But, uh, you know, a win is a win. And even though it's a friendly game, uh, that will be a big mental boost if, you know, the Matildas come up against France in the second round. So, um, yeah, good on them. What was the atmosphere like and a sellout down in Melbourne? Yeah, the atmosphere was, it's like you can't imagine for a women's football game. Well, we can't imagine. So 50,000 people all cheering for the Matildas and, you know, it was electric. Superb finish by Mary Fowler. Give us your thoughts on that and also who else impressed you on the night? Look, I'm really inspired by the inclusion of all the younger players that have come in over the last three years. And we've seen them develop. And you saw Mary Fowler, you know, get the ball cool, calm and composed in front of goal, just slotted it past the keeper. 
And I don't know how many times you or myself have seen someone get in that position and they just sky it over the crossbar. So I thought that was fantastic. And for her to get back on the, on the field and, you know, have that sort of impact. And the interesting thing too was uh, that Sam Kerr was off the field at that point. Um, so, and that's a big mental thing for the Matildas as well. So if, you know, Sam's off the field, they're not reliant on her just to bang away goals all the time. So, yeah, some big wins in that game. These young ladies, they've got something that your generation never had, and that's international exposure in some of the world's best competitions. Yes, they do. And back in my day, we had ex a lot of exposure to international competitions against New Zealand. And then we'd sort of uh, go to a couple of bigger competitions overseas. So, but nothing like these uh, young women who are travelling the world, you know, each week and, you know, playing professional leagues overseas, coming back here for other international tournaments. So it's, it's a much different scenario. You told me a moment ago that you'll be going to every single Matildas game. I am. I'm really excited. And I think that, you know, that excitement is shared by everyone in Australia. So if they're not at the games, they'll probably be watching on TV. And that's, that's a far cry from where we came from. Give us your thoughts about Thursday night. Expected crowd, well it's a sellout. 83,000 at a core stadium in Sydney and preview that game for us. Well, just just firstly, I'll put it into perspective. You know, we're, we're now looking at uh, crowds of 80,000 people attending a women's football game, you know, and selling over a million tickets. Whereas in my day, we were talking about selling thousands of lamingtons <laughs> just to get to a football tournament. So, I mean, the, the growth of the game is exponential um, in anyone's language. So, but um, on Thursday night, you know, the Matildas will, they won't have it all their own way. Ireland are, you know, they're renowned for their defence. So we'll be up against it. And uh, I think in every pool round, you know, our, our biggest rivals are the next game. So. You know, uh, Matildas will, will do quite well, uh, but they'll have to be on their toes. Julia said the great strength of Ireland is defensively and not just their centre-backs, but their goalkeeper as well. Their goalkeeper, Courtney Brosnan, yeah, she won the International Player of the Year over in Ireland last year. And look, goalkeepers don't win those awards unless they're great. Uh, so she's been a big part of the team in terms of, you know, stopping goals going in. Uh, and the two in defence also remarkable in terms of, you know, being that defensive block. But uh, they've also got a, a really good striker, very good on set plays up front, uh, Katie McCabe. So, you know, she, she'd be one to watch out for as well. Should you be part of the coaching staff? <laughs> um, probably part of the Matildas uh, coaching staff, if I could give them a little bit of, you know, something, a little bit of inspiration. I don't know. But I think, you know, there's much better people than me in terms of coaches. In the lead up to the World Cup, have you spoken to the group? No, I haven't spoken to the Matildas themselves. Friday night, um, I had a quick chat with uh, a couple of them just as they ran off uh, the park after training. But, um, you know, it's just sort of high and by. You've had a look forward at the next game against Nigeria and they've got a superb striker up front. Yes, yeah, she's, she's tall. She's powerfully built and she's won the African Footballer of the Year 
five years in a row. And I think I'm saying her name right, Aya Shola. Uh, she'll be she'll be dangerous. Somebody to also watch in the in the World Cup. But there, you know, the World Cup's going to be a mixture of veterans and rising stars. So there's going to be a lot of players to watch, a lot of teams to look out for. Do you think the USA can do what no team has done in men's and women's football and make it three in a row? Oh, look, they're a, they're a great side. Can they make it three in a row? I'm, I'm saying no. <laughs> um, they are favourites on the betting odds, but England's right there behind them. And, you know, does England have enough to, to beat the USA? They're, they're tipped as the two most likely in the, in the final. But I'm thinking, you know, the Matildas have got runs on the board against England. They've got runs on the board against the US and if, like France, who are all top five teams. So look out, Australia might be there. Uh, I think we'll make it through the rounds, either first or second. But whether we top the group is another question. It's not, a, it's not an easy group with Ireland, Canada. You know, Canada are no lightweights. And then Nigeria, they're, they're gonna be a real surprise packet. And Canada are ahead of us on the world rankings. Yes, they are. Uh, we're number 10 and, <clears throat> you know, in terms of taking out the cup, the betting odds are 13 to 1. You, you know I love when you start talking odds. The great Julie <laughs> Dolan is looking at the betting markets. You said about veterans and rising stars. Who are the rising stars in the Matildas that we need to keep an eye out for? Uh, look, for me, uh, Mary Fowler, of course. Uh, she's a little more of a first-team player now. The excitement machine, we haven't seen much of her yet, but Alex Chidiak, I mean, she, she has no fear. And she, she might be that X factor for the Matildas. So I hope we get to see a bit of Alex. Um, also, you've got these younger players that have played for three years, but we never knew who they were. Courtney Vine, uh, Claire Hunt. Um, Charlie Grant. They're all fantastic players and, and worthy of inclusion in the first team now. What does it mean where we live to have the number two team and the number four team in the world? So Germany and England right here on the beautiful Central Coast. Yeah, it, it's amazing. I mean, and it's a, an opportunity. If they do have an open training session, it's an opportunity for everyone on the coast to see what the calibre of football is like. I mean, these, these two teams are amazing. I've seen England play against the Matildas, um, and even though the Matildas got the win, you know, England are a great side. Germany, you know, number two. So uh, when it was first announced that they were both going to be on the coast, I was thinking, wouldn't a friendly between the two be great? <laughs> so, but, you know, they have to think about injuries and, you know, not showing what they've got to each other. So um, maybe we won't see that one. My son saw one of the team buses and he said the hairs on his neck stood on end, that, you know, now it's real. Yes, now it is real. And to hear that from a male is astonishing, you know. Back in the day, uh, we struggled for any recognition, let alone, you know, someone seeing us on a team bus. So, yes, the, the excitement is in the air and the level of excitement is, you know, it's at an all-time high. What about your own stellar career where you're the inaugural captain as a teenager? First uh, international was in 1979 and that placed me at 18. Um, 14 was when I first travelled abroad to play in a tournament. So got a few years under the belt before I um, hit the national team. Uh, but, you know, playing for the Matildas, it's, 
it's a difficult uh, experience to describe uh, because you you feel the responsibility of playing for your country and there's a bit of weight on your shoulders because you know the public expectation is for you to go out and give it everything and that's what's on your mind to play hard to give it everything and to show these these opposing players that you're playing against the Matildas, you're playing against Australia, it's not going to be easy. Have you seen the Ange Postacoglu video where he spoke to the Socceroos and he said about who they're doing it for? And so they showed footage of some of the players, Trent Sainsbury was one of them when he was about six or seven. And he said, when people look at you before you run out for Australia, they're looking at everyone that's been a part of the journey. Oh, very much so. And he, he's, he's right about that. And it's very important that we do hold that history close at heart because that's what got us where we are today. And, and it's on, back, on the back of successive generations of Matildas that we are where we are today. So that's, an, you know, everyone has played their part in the legacy. And that's what we see today. I know we're talking women's football, but just on Ange going to one of the world's biggest clubs, Tottenham. How do you feel? Well, Tottenham was almost always my favourite and my idol when I was growing up because there was no female football players on TV. It was Glenn Hoddle um, and that's going way back. Uh, but yeah, Tottenham's always been up there and I, under Ange, I'd really like to see them you know, climb the ladder again. Yeah, absolutely. Just you want to clear something up? There's been a goal circulating where someone... <laughs> Uh, I just bumped into Damien Brown and he goes, oh, I saw Julie's goal where she lobbed the keeper against Brazil. It's not you. Yeah, um, when I talked to Janine Riddington, who scored the goal, she said, well, Julie, they keep talking about the goal you never scored. And I said, I know. I said, but they're seeing the goal that you scored. And it is, if you haven't seen that goal, you've got to watch it. It's one of the best goals I've ever seen. And the fact that, you know, people can now view it and see the calibre of football that was played back in 1988 is amazing. Um, so to anyone, I suggest go and watch Janine Riddington score this goal. So when you pull on the boots for some famous clubs in the Sutherland Shire, including St George Budapest, and you were telling me about the honour roll at that football club. In fact, can you do that? Well, St George Budapest, you know, they've got so many people on the honour roll. But during my time there, you know, we were not necessarily hanging out with a lot of the St George Budapest uh, male players, but the players that were around us in those days were Rally Rasik, Manfred Schaefer, um, Adi Abonyi, and, you know, there were, there were just so many male champions, I, I call them now, because without those men, uh, I certainly wouldn't have gotten to where I did in my career. You know, they were such an inspiration and such uh, contributors to the women's game back then. So the dream from starting at St George Budapest to now, I'm not sure even the Australian public realise what they're about to get. I mean, it's the biggest event since the 2000 Olympics. Yeah, and it's the biggest standalone women's sporting event in the world. It's massive, and there's something like two billion people going to be viewing the uh, the tournament, and and we're talking eons away from the 200 people that watched the first international match between us and New Zealand. So, and that will give you an idea of the exponential growth in 40 odd years in anyone's language. It's it's gone from zero 
to warp speed. This is my penultimate question. Give me a prediction on the Matildas. Where can they finish? I'm pretty sure the Matildas will feature in the semis. And look, fingers crossed from there, anything can happen in football. And I've seen it. You know, the Matildas ended uh, the UK's 31 game winning streak, I think it was. You know, just like that, boom, anything can happen. So, look, to the Matildas, my message to them would be dare to dream. Dare to dream. You just answered my final question. It was if you got a chance to speak to this group before some of their big matches, what would it be? And dare to dream it is. Thanks so much for spending some time with us and enjoy going to every single Matildas game all the way to the pointy end. All the way to the pointy end and the pointy end, no matter who's there, will be a fantastic event. That is Julie Dolan. I caught up with her Monday at the Central Coast Sports College. Can you believe what she said about the inaugural game between Australia and New Zealand? 200 fans there. And on Thursday night, a sellout at Sydney Olympic Park. And let's hope the Matildas can do something special, maybe like Cathy Freeman, who they caught up with in the countdown to the FIFA Women's World Cup. We always talk about Cathy Freeman, 2000 Olympics, and we kind of hope that this team is re remembered forever and we represent Australia in the best way possible. Watching her at the 2000 Sydney Olympics, I think was the first moment that I saw, you know, really powerful, proud Indigenous woman. If you're watching that without giving tingles or welling up with tears, you're probably in the wrong room. I've got someone here. Wow. Who wants to go here and be snappy. But thank you for joining us. Kathy's going to sit in with us and, uh, and just have a yarn. So if you guys just want to rearrange your chairs, get around here in circle. <laughs> A couple years ago we were going through some questions about who your sporting hero is and why and over half the team said that Kathy Freeman was their hero. The power of what of you just being here is like unimaginable. Like it's beyond your wildest dreams what you're going to be able to do. You're going to be able to get into the blood of everybody who's on the journey with you. It's just a crazy wild ride. And you're writing the names of history ladies. I think Kathy's visit left us feeling really excited. The hopes to inspire a nation and to achieve something similar in a totally different realm. We have obviously a very special person here today and we just wanted to say um, happy, like it's honestly amazing for you to be here. You're an inspiration to this whole team. It's been an honour to have you. You've been an idol of all of us for so long and what you did for us as a country, hopefully we can replicate even half of that. We'll remember this night for the rest of our careers because it's been amazing, so thank you very much. What a piece of audio. So for a lot of the girls in the team, Kathy Freeman is their hero. And then she shows up and surprises everyone and spends time with the Matildas in the countdown to kick off. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. We do it all thanks to Robson Civil Projects, a third generation family company. Check their website for all their details if you're looking for a new role later on this year or in 2024. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again soon on The Perfect 10. Thank you.
The Perfect Ten.